0: Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 19. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is singer songwriter Indigo Spark. She's just released her debut record, Echo, which was recorded with the help of Adrian Lenker from Big Thief. In today's episode, we talk about her experience recording across the globe. Similarities between acting and music, and the incredible voice of Ray LaMontagne. Here we go. Our guest today is a singer-songwriter from Sydney, Australia. She's previously worked as an actress and model, but found her calling in music via a chance encounter. Her debut record, Echo, is out now. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Indigo Spark. Hello, how are you going? I'm
1: doing well, thank you. How are you? <laughs>
0: I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us today.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, congratulations on the the new record Echo, which is out this week. <laughs> um, it has kind of uh, firstly, it's a it's a gorgeous record. It's very intricate and very um, intimate as well. Uh, most of the record itself was recorded in 2019. Now being Feb 2021, what's it like, kind of having it finally out in in the world, in the universe?
1: It's definitely interesting. I feel that it's quite um it's quite interesting to go back and revisit that period of time where I was at emotionally or internally or creatively because the cycles of life just keep moving and you know it's difficult to not move on to the next thing or to be in the next evolution of yourself or your creative expression so it's definitely been an interesting thing to stay present with its energy knowing that it's coming out soon um because I've definitely had moments where I've been like okay I'm ready to move on to the next thing now
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you find it difficult to um I guess connect with some of the songs that maybe reflected yeah how you were or where you're at at that time but Mm -hmm. now it's very different um
1: Find it difficult to connect to them. Uh, however, I do feel that I have moved on in myself from particular feelings that, in those moments, I'm pretty sure I believed were finite feelings. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now I look back and and feel like, oh, you know, you were really feeling. <laughs> kind of compassion for myself in a way Wow, you're really feeling that intensely then and now you're on to feeling the next thing intensely which feels like it's never going to end right now but it's nice to have that reference point I guess in hindsight or retrospect you can look back and go okay things change always feelings change nothing's finite yeah so, it's like
0: a snapshot almost
1: yeah exactly
0: the um, the record, uh, you recorded it kind of across the globe um, in mm-hmm. New York and in Italy. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, firstly, does that seem like a weird concept now, <laughs> where we are in 2021? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it does. It seems like a weird concept and I feel more than anything incredibly lucky and grateful to have had those experiences, like right on the cusp of everything closing down, I they're like these the most precious magic moments in my mind and heart <laughs> like these lit rooms that I can return to where I bask in the joy and magic of what that time was I'm like oh my gosh like I that was real it feels like a dream honestly now um and I think it's such a strange thing because really none of us know when any of those things are going to happen freely again and and I don't believe that the world actually will return to what it was at all so it, it is in a way almost like you know the notion of a past life looking back and being like wow I had all those experiences and I don't know if I'll I mean we can never have the same experience twice but a lot of those things related to travel or being in different places with groups of people and in community I, I I don't know. I don't know if, it, if that will happen again. So it does feel particularly strange.
0: I'm curious for yourself, um, when you are recording and, and writing in a different city or a different town, do you find that there's um, obviously the, the key similarity is that the songs are being written and performed by you, but do you find that there's a, a less cohesive nature to the record as a whole versus um, like if you had recorded the whole thing in one location?
1: Oh, for sure, I think it would have felt completely different. Um, it would have had a different energy about it, and I would have been feeling differently in myself, so that definitely would have come through the recording for sure, the recordings. Um, yeah, definitely. I think environment really impacts my experience of something or my feelings, or yeah, how I'm feeling in my experience how I'm feeling in my body, how I'm feeling in my emotional body, how I'm feeling in my mind. And yeah, that, that it's all interlinked for sure. I think.
0: Yeah, of course. The record um, was co-produced by yourself and Adrian Lenker from Big Thief and uh, Andrew Salo, who's helped uh, produce bands like Big Thief and, and Bon Iver previously. How did that uh, kind of working relationship come about?
1: Um, I think it just unraveled in how life does, you know. It's interesting how we meet people and form bonds and different kinds of relationships. And it it just so happened that Adrienne and I were, you know, in our friendship and relationship. And then um, she had been listening to the songs with me and we had kind of been talking about, Uh, working on them together and then yeah it was just a a natural flow of things actually that Salo came to work on them with us um in LA and then James jumped on board for a little bit and then um yeah it was kind of like many different people put on the producer hat honestly a dear friend of mine who I met in Italy Shazad Ismaili he ended up working on a few things and produced some of it and then Another friend, Phil Weinrobe, who's worked on stuff with all of them before as well, he was engineering some of it and produced a couple songs as well. so yeah, it's funny how life works. I don't know if there's ever any like true explanation or reason for the ways that things come about, but it just so happened that that's the way it worked out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, that's very fair. It, um, yeah. Sometimes little meetings of, because uh, I believe you supported Big Thief at one point earlier on. It
1: did, before.
0: yeah. Yeah, I think just yeah. sometimes chance encounters like that do yeah, result in a uh, more fruitful artistic project.
1: Yeah, I think we can't possibly know sometimes the way that synchronistic kind of moments in time and space come into fruition, like it really it's some of it is a lot like beyond our control a lot of the time and then but it feels quite um perfect and symbiotic and magnetic yeah I I I used to have this thing that I would say with some friends whenever you would be in situations or in life sometimes we would say there would be these things called life's tiny miracles or roadside prophets and they were always like these little moments or windows in time and in life where you kind of get given these road signs where you know you're on the right path.
0: No that's that's actually beautiful. (laughs) The record itself is well just as I mentioned before it's quite intricate and it's um the instrumentation is beautiful and it's very sparse as well. When you're kind of creating your songs and, um, and, and building them, is there, I guess, with having a, a sparse arrangement, is it to build tension? Is it to showcase the lyrics or is it like a combination of both?
1: I think it's purely intuitive, honestly, um, for me, and it was when Adrienne and I were working on it. I mean, we had an intention for it to be quite sparse and stripped back, but there was never any kind of logical or um, intellectual kind of musicality behind making it sparse so XYZ stood out in the forefront. Um, It was more just about um, an intuitive feeling on something and making it, making the emotion or the feelings or the narrative or the themes of each song or story be accessible. And so it was just what, finding what worked in harmony together. Um, and, yeah, it just, it, it, it worked having it stripped back in that way.
0: I'm curious, just before when you said, um about it just kind of happening and that's how the, the songs kind of came out. You've said that the record is um, an ode to death and decay, which is a very um, interesting way to, <laughs> to describe one's record. Um, <clears throat> was that kind of uh, planned beforehand as well? Or was it kind of like a natural thing that as you made the record, you kind of, as it, I guess, as it played out in front of you, you, you discovered that it was about that as you went along?
1: <laughs> you know sometimes when I write a song I have no idea actually what it's about until I listen to it afterwards I'm not in my mind thinking about the song when I'm writing half the time and it'll just come out and then I get to a point and it might even be months down the track and sometimes it's almost like prophetic of where i was going to be heading in my life or what I was moving through in my emotional world. And I'll listen to it and I'll be like, wow, that's what that's about. That's so interesting. I had no idea. (laughs) Um, and so it's, it's, it's quite a beautiful relationship to have, um, with this expression that sometimes you don't necessarily have control over in a way. So I feel that I don't think that I knew that that's what it was until afterwards, actually.
0: Yeah. It just kind of presented itself.
1: Yeah. I think listening back over it and diving back into the world of the collection of songs and the narrative and the themes and the feeling of it and what I was trying to, what I was trying to without even realize that that's what I was doing explore was this idea of grief and death and decay and impermanence and the sheer magnitude of, love and what comes with that what comes with loving and what comes with longing in life it it is all those things it is death and decay and impermanence and change and um, we are all just you know essentially dying in every moment decaying Mm -hmm. and that's all that that's the only reality that we're left with that's the truest thing that we can know actually so Um, I think there was a certain level of having to face that inside of myself, reconcile that, surrender to it, and find some sort of acceptance and bliss in that space, actually. Um, I read a quote or a line from a book the other day, and it said something like, to separate
0: One's self from love is. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: To not exist, essentially, is to live in fear, you know, it was put much oh more eloquently than that. But I appreciated <laughs> that idea, that, that notion of like, to love fully, you have to accept everything that comes with loving fully. To live fully, you have to accept death fully, actually. Otherwise, you're living in kind of a, um, like a bardo, like a middle ground, the space in between. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's very true, very deep. <laughs> <laughs> you yourself um, have had quite a musical upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um both parents being musicians, to my understanding, I think mum was a singer and dad was a guitarist. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was, I guess, um, it like, and I also think just a very quick, I think you yourself were named after Mood Indigo, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it like growing up in such a, I guess, like a musical kind of environment as a, as a kid? You know,
1: the, another song that comes to mind, funnily enough, is a song called Turbulent Indigo by Joni Mitchell. And I think funnily enough, like growing up with such deep feeling creative artists is turbulent. It's it's turbulent. (laughs) It's so, the tapestry of that space is so rich and vivid and visceral. um, And extremely inspiring and also heavy and dense and so that is what my childhood felt like it was beautiful um but it felt like all of that expression and all of that feeling and all of that creativity and deep curiosity into the world and The psyche of everything and the way things work that certain that level of existentialism that they both have um yeah it's an interesting thing to grow up with i didn't want to become a musician i i I steered away from it for a long time (laughs) i was like i'm not doing that i've seen you both do that and and i'm not doing that um I actually was like, I'm going to become an actress. <laughs> so much more glamorous, <laughs> um, or you know, do something. I, when I finished high school, I got into, I got into acting school, and at the same time, I got into a midwifery course at university to do a bachelor of midwifery, and I was like, really kind of almost ready to take that that path and do something like that. But I went to acting school. And um, it wasn't until much further down the track that I was like, well, this kind of sucks as well. So <laughs> I'm going to
0: try to try to sing anything. <laughs> for yourself, uh, as you said, you kind of went, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be a musician. I'm going to follow acting. What was like, I guess, a, a, a crossroads or a key point for yourself that you then drew you back to music that then was like, oh no, maybe, maybe mum and dad were right.
1: Well, they never tried to, I mean, they, they kind of, they actually advised me against it for a while. I, I think, <laughs> I think I remember that correctly. I could be making that up, honestly. But, um They never put any pressure on me to do anything actually. But um I... Funnily enough, I went through a really dark period, and there was quite a big chunk of time where I was in, a, in an interesting and quite a dark, um, dark phase. Anyway, I up and left and went, moved to Bali and went and did my yoga teacher training. And there was so much kind of, funnily enough, it was like a lot of um, Indian chanting and Kirtan and lots of expats sitting around playing guitar and singing. And I think I got up and I think I well I mean I I played a song one day in kind of like a group setting and someone came up to me and was like Wow you you really you're really good at that you should really should really do more of that and I think I hadn't really considered that I had only really recently found the relief of being in that private world alone with myself and the guitar. My dad had given me one of his guitars and I just started teaching myself how to play. Um, so, yeah, I that was kind of how I came to it, I think, again.
0: Do you find that there's um, any correlation between where you go, uh, maybe not necessarily for inspiration, but do you find, yeah, there's any correlation between where you pull... Um, just trying to think of the word <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like I feel like there's a place that you pull um, emotion from mm-hmm. if, if it's the best word um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: for a song do you find that the, yeah that there's a correlation between acting and singing in terms of where you pull from and, and how you perform yeah
1: that's a really good question actually um, I do think there is a correlation between those two places I think For any artist, there is a deep, deep, deep internal well of a whole, a whole bunch of different things. Like, and that that well of experience and history and love and trauma and pain and infinite joy and infinite sadness that exists, I think, within everyone, and it just depends how deep you want to dive into that well of yourself. (laughs) And I think that's the same well from which I personally draw from to, or did in the past to um, access a character, um, even though, you know, in those instances, I was playing someone that was not myself, I think in that deep well you can find a certain level of compassion or empathy for any other kind of human experience. And so, in the same in the same well, yeah, I think I am definitely drawing my inspiration or desperate need to express um, musically from the same place. It's just more yeah. true to me and I don't have to filter it through, you know, or push it or manipulate it into um, a character portrayal, so.
0: Yeah, which is good. Yeah. I feel like um, yeah. sometimes if it is almost being used uh, too often, it can come across as, like, contrived or just too performative instead of actually genuine, so
1: totally it's it's so much more um in a way It's so much more comfortable being myself but it's also so much more terrifying and vulnerable in many ways and and awkward sometimes it's you don't have anything to hide behind so
0: (laughs) it is that it is that weird kind of um yeah situation where if you're more genuine like it is um it is it's a lot more scary but it's usually those like Uh, little weird intricate bits that people do find interesting so
1: so, totally because actually you know especially like i find with myself like the artists that i'm really drawn to in in any kind of expression that they work in or any medium that they work with i find that it's it's the subtle nuances and and like you were saying all the like The quirky little things that are not contrived that make me feel like that person is more accessible and then essentially you feel less alone in the world in some way because yeah yeah
0: yeah definitely (laughs) um indigo speaking of the artists that you listen to uh let's have a chat about your playlist
1: that so hard so hard to narrow down it I asked him asked um, yeah Georgia being like how how long there's some of the other playlists she's like yeah 10 to 20 songs I'm like oh no worries and then I could not <laughs> trying to narrow narrow down the playlist for my life I was like wow this is there's actually been a lot of um music that's been very pivotal to me
0: yeah, of course. There's um, there's some absolutely incredible uh, picks on this player. There's some some fantastic artists. I'd probably put them at my own place myself if I was doing it. <laughs> um, you've got some Feist, uh, some Jeff Buckley. There's Massive Attack. There's some Joni Mitchell. As we discussed before, your parents were both musicians, and um, I feel like a lot of musician parents or, or good musicians who. Uh, who end up having kids? They, they, they kind of impart their their gems and their their own picks mm-hmm. to their kids. How much of your um of, of your taste is is from your parents?
1: Oh, a lot. I think a lot, actually. My mum is um, my mum has extraordinary taste. She's an extraordinary musician, and her musicianship is really. She's a very very good musician so she knows good music and she has really good taste and she loves finding music and listening to new music and old music and so she's always telling me about things before I even know what's going on or later for it is really on point um but yes definitely some of the soundtrack to my childhood was stuff that she played you know all the Joni Mitchell stuff mum was on the Joni Mitchell train Dab on the Neil Young train. I mean, they were both like across the board. Um, and yeah, I mean, so many different things. Those were the two standouts, which it, you know, everybody knows who they are, but there was a lot of kind of off center ones too. There was a lot of stuff that I didn't put in there actually as well. Like Jonah's police woman, that was like a huge period of my life that my mom int- introduced me to her music and, um Rufus Wainwright when I was a lot younger who I just absolutely fell in love with and wanted to marry um (laughs) and um yeah I mean so many different things Andrew Bird and yeah I don't even remember who I've got in there right now but (laughs) it
0: sounds like your mum has incredible music taste just by the way She she does um you've included some um one or two tracks by a gentleman who I think just has a brilliant voice, uh, Ray LaMontagne, you've mm-hmm. put Shelter and um, I Still Care For You on the list. Mm-hmm. What is it about uh, his songs or his songwriting or storytelling that you enjoy?
1: I think he is one of my favourite artists of all times. I had maybe 10 songs in that playlist from him and I had to just take them out. I was really <laughs> just going to put a few records in there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Many of his records have just been played for me in some of the more intense periods of my life, Um, some of the more intense periods of, yeah, grief or, or, yeah, deep contemplation or joy as well. I think I'm not sure what it is, something about the way that he writes his lyrics. His the, the tone and the timbre of his voice is it feels rugged and raw and for me it feels like a direct access to like that deep well place and it just feels really honest and, and something about it resonates with me. I, I don't know sometimes it's very hard to describe when you have like a deep, when you have deep resonance with someone's music, it's difficult because it feels like it's, it's almost beyond the the lyrics and the sound and the tone and the songwriting. It's like, oh, your body and your soul just feels it and recognizes it in some way. So yeah, I really, I, and maybe it is a lot to do with the memories that I have associated with, with those songs. So
0: yeah, I, I really love, I really love his music a lot. Yeah, he's um, absolutely incredible. Anyone who's listening to this and hasn't listened to him should, but um yeah. put that in, in the show notes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the other one I wanted to talk to you about was Jeff Buckley, Love You Should Have Come Over, mm-hmm. which is just, um, I guess, I have my thoughts on that, but for yourself, uh, why was that a pick for the playlist?
1: I think for exactly the same reason that I that I just spoke about with Rena Montaigne, yeah. um, I just when I started listening to Jeff Buckley, um, again another one from my mom. I think that I just could not believe how a human being could possibly put so much emotion into his music. Um, For me, I was like astounded by that. And what I felt in that music was that feeling, feelings intensely or feeling the world intensely had a safe place to go. And I mean, he is just, Phenomenal! He's a total wizard, and his expression and you know you can feel him, you can feel him through that music so strongly in some ways. And um, not that I knew him, but um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I get like lost for words <laughs> with, the, with the artists and the musicians who I feel it's an it's an emotional experience for me. So I find it difficult to articulate in a cerebral way because I'm having such a visceral kind of body experience. That's what happens with this music. <laughs> and I'm sure for <laughs> a lot of other people, obviously.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, um, I feel like, uh, with this playlist as well. And, um, when I say this, please, it, this is not a, a critical, uh, note on, on the playlist. There are a lot of songs <laughs> that, um, are very, um, I guess it's it's not surface level kind of like happiness. There's a lot of like serious kind of things going on in this anguish. music. Anguish, <laughs> anguish is one way, yeah. uh, one way to put it. But I think that is why people connect to it on such a deep level is because it's, yeah. um, it is something that people can connect with and and either empathise or sympathise with and they click with. And I think. Mm. um it's why playlists like this stand out uh, as a possible favorite Mm. for certain podcast hosts because um it is it's something that you can kind of connect to and um yeah
1: yeah definitely i think for me that's so spot on and i i'm not um i don't do well with surface level stuff so i need to have a very visceral war experience in my day-to-day life anyway so for music there needs to be something tangible for me in a sense, even though it's energetic and ethereal, it's, it, there needs, it needs to like sink in deep and like lodge in some way inside of me so that I have, it's kind of, you know, there's something to hold on to there.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think if it's too, well, yeah, if it's too accessible, you kind of, it's, um, this is a weird way to describe it it's slippery almost in a way like
1: it is yeah yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, to go uh thank you so much for your time today and thank you for being on the podcast this has been a lovely conversation so thank you for
1: having me appreciate
0: it and that's our show thank you again to indigo spark echo her debut record is out now through remote control records We've included a link in the show notes to their web store if you want to buy a physical copy of the vinyl. We also want to give a quick shout out to Georgia at Remote Control for helping out with today's interview. You can also find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of Indigo's picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday morning with guest playlist streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook until next week. Cheers.